All right, now, last week we started talking about spiritual gifts here. And we used these same scriptures and a few more that we read, but let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 3 again here this evening. i got to read one more verse before we quit. But Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You know that ye were Gentiles, carried away under these dumb idols, even as ye were led. Pay attention to all those words. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. So, last week we talked about spiritual gifts and how the, the difference between a gift and a skill. Y'all remember? Yes. Yeah, skill is something you learn. It's something you acquire by its knowledge. You acquire it by learning, by experience, whatever. But it, a skill is one thing. But a gift is n another thing. A gift is something that's given to you. It's not something that you have by nature, natural ability or whatever. It's... Uh, the spiritual gift is spiritual. It's not a carnal gift. It's not a special talent that God has given you. A spiritual gift. And, uh, you know, we talked about how that it seems like that most of the churches are being run on skills instead of spiritual gifts. It's what we can do. What we went to school to learn how to do. It's things that we've taught ourselves or somebody else has taught us or we've learned through experience and all of this. And so, uh, that's wrong. It's carnal. When it's carnal, it's not of God. And so, so here we are. Uh, we're going to look on this just tonight and I try to limit myself so that we don't take so long. Because I know everybody's tired and I'm always tired too. But uh, especially on Wednesday night. Everybody has to work but I try to limit myself so we don't take so long. But now let's get going here. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Now, we mentioned that a little bit last week, but I kind of want to zero in on that tonight. You know, in spiritual matters, ignorance leads to superstition. Now, back at the very beginning, almost two years ago now, when we started preaching on spiritual things and spiritual warfare, that was one of the first messages was on, are you saved or just superstitious? <laughs> if you never heard that, you ought to go back and listen to it because it's a very key message about all of this. It's, a key, it's key foundational thoughts about spiritual things. Spiritual in spiritual matters, ignorance leads to superstition. To be ignorant is to be destitute of knowledge, uninstructed or uninformed of the facts. And that's all superstitious people are that way. That describes them. Ignorant. Ignorant of spiritual things. They don't know the facts. They're uninstructed. They're just a loose wheel. They're freewheeling when it comes to spiritual things. They'll swallow anything. They'll believe anything that comes along. They'll believe the wild and the crazy and the kooky and the bizarre and when it comes to spiritual things. Ghosts and, and goblins and monsters and every kind of crazy thing you can think of. If we're going to entertain spiritual thoughts and exercise spiritual gifts, it has to be according to knowledge and truth. Now, don't you believe that's right? This is God's church. It's not a, a playground for, you know, spiritual kookiness. You don't want it. There, there is the spiritual. And it is serious business. And it's life and death. Eternal for our souls. That's we better understand spiritual things. And we better not be ignorant in them. If it's not according to knowledge and truth, our thoughts, our beliefs, our actions, and our views of things spiritual, then it's simply superstition and mysticism. You stand with me now. Spiritual thoughts. Don't you know that's true? Think about the people you've known in your life. Think about them. Think about the religious people you've known in your life and that you know right now. All the different 
brands of Christianity. Think about them. What, uh, there's churches that major on spiritual gifts, but really only one. Yeah, just one. The one that the Bible makes the very least of. That's the one they major on. And it's showy. It's not edifying. It's fascinating. It's mysterious. It's, it's when somebody gets out of control. Like you're having a seizure or something. Well, what is that, you know, what is that related to? How can that be the Holy Ghost of God if you lose control of your senses and your body and your tongue and, and you're just blabbering and saying things that don't mean anything? How is that the Holy Spirit? No, but it's spiritual fascinating things. That's, it's, uh, you know, people are that way about ghosts and spirits and everything, you know, moving, things are moving around, anything like that. I see pictures all the time where people are taking pictures of ghosts. Well, come on, man, you can't take a picture of a ghost. First place, there are no ghosts. But if there were ghosts and it was a spiritual thing, you're not going to take a picture of it with your camera. But they believe it. Oh, they believe it. They yearn to believe it. They strive to believe it. No facts. And I can go on and on. You know, I hear people all the time talking about people dying and they're an angel now. Well, that is not true. People who die are not angels. They don't become angels. That's just superstitious nonsense by ignorant people who are uninstructed and unlearned. In the truth. There's not any bit of God's truth in that at all. None. But it doesn't matter because they believe it. They want to believe it. So, if it's not according to knowledge, our spiritual talk, our spiritual actions, our spiritual beliefs, our spiritual practices, if it's not according to knowledge and truth, it's superstition and mysticism. There's, there's a, a lot of enthusiasm in those who, conduct, who uh, conduct themselves in spiritual matters without knowledge. A lot of enthusiasm. I'll read this again. I read it just kind of on the fly the other night as we were talking about Webster's 1828 Dictionary, the, the word enthusiasm. It means to infuse a divine spirit inspired by God or infuse God into the thing. Number one definition. Are y'all listening? A belief or conceit of private revelation. The vain confidence or opinion of a person that he has special divine communications from the supreme being or familiar intercourse with him. Enthusiasm is founded neither on reason nor divine revelation, but rises from the conceits of a warmed or overweening imagination. It also means heat of imagination, violent passion or excitement of the mind in pursuit of some object, inspiring extravagant hope and confidence of success. So, I've heard it said a lot of time, we need some enthusiasm. Boy, we need some enthusiasm in the church. Is that what we need? No. I don't think so. But that perfectly describes people who are interested in spiritual things but not according to the truth, who remain ignorant of what the Bible says and what the Bible teaches about spiritual things and how we're to inform ourselves, how we're to learn about spiritual things. Eh, they're not interested in that. They're just, that's mysticism is what it is. And it's common in the occult and it's common to professors of religion including Christianity, all kinds of flavors of Christianity. The Catholics are really something when it comes to their idols and their imagination and their enthusiasm about all of that. They really believe those things. They believe the, the, the wafer, the, you know, the communion. They believe that is the literal body and blood and, of Christ. The wine is the blood. The the little cookie which says IHC or whatever it is on there. It is the body, literal body of Christ. It's the, what's the word? Trans, transubstantiation. Yes, there you go. 
That means it literally becomes that. When you put it in your mouth, you're actually eating the body of Christ. See, it's spiritual kookiness and, and fantastic, uh, wow things like that, you know. That's mysticism. They live in superstitious awe of strange things or feelings or abilities. Or they live in pursuit of those things. These same people are fascinated with flying saucers and aliens and Bigfoot and, and uh, you know, the Loch Ness Monster and, you know, all anything like that just falls right into them because they're interested in these things. Doesn't bother them that nobody's ever found a Bigfoot, nobody's ever showed one, you know, except fake ones. I remember seeing one in a, in a trailer a guy was pulling around when I was a kid. Had to pay money to go in and see it. It was fake. If flying saucers are everywhere, why don't, why don't, why I never seen one? Hmm? I'm always looking. They gotta be there. I never seen one. How many of y'all ever seen a flying saucer? You wouldn't, you wouldn't admit it if you had. We see all kinds of things that are, every day I see in the news, you see yesterday we're all around the world. These people seen this red beam of light. Now, how all around the world you see a red beam of light? Of course, they always say, "Ah, nothing to worry about. It ain't what you think it is." But why are they talking about it then? Why is it so big in the news all the time? The flying saucers and the aliens and the lights and all of the, you know, because people are spiritually ignorant. They're ignorant of spiritual things. That's why Paul's starting right in on the subject, right out of the gate. I would Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. We're going to talk about spiritual things, and you can't be ignorant in this matter. That's why the apostle starts out with that warning. These people came. Now the people he's writing to here, the church at Corinth, they came from a pagan, superstitious, idolatrous background. And these verses we read deal with that. He wanted to make it clear to them that all, uh, to them all, to them that all had to go and no part of the, of what they'd had in the past had anything to do with the spiritual gifts that God imparts. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away with these dumb idols, even as you were led. See? You've been t- he's, what he's saying is you're going to forget everything that you've been taught all your life about spiritual things. And you're going to have to learn the truth about all this. Spiritual gifts have to be done in truth or they're not spiritual gifts. All this spiritual activity in the church. You know what all they were doing? I mean, they were doing all this stuff and polluting spiritual things and activities like the Lord's Supper and all of that in the church. They had everything in, that, in the world going on in that church. My goodness. And, and it was a lot to do with their past. If, not, if he don't deal with this, they're going to bring a bunch of that junk along with them. You see what I'm saying here? You see what he's saying? Lifelong habits and prejudices and impressions of the supernatural are hard to shake from a superstitious mind that's always been ignorant of the facts of the spiritual world and the truth of God. These people had grown up not even knowing about the God of heaven. They worshiped dumb idols because that's what they were led to do by their parents, by their religious teachers, by their society and their culture. That's what they've done. And he said, this has got to go. You're a new creature in Christ. This stuff doesn't fly. It doesn't belong here. That stuff does not belong in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Were they, was, was that idol worship exciting? Well, of course it was. Always is. Always has been. Is right now. That's what the excitement is in the churches, so-called. Were there words idolatry? Easily identified. It's not according to knowledge. It's not according to the Word of God. Not according to truth. 
you know that you were Gentiles, carried away unto these dumb idols even as you were led. They were used to being led by people, listen to me now, who claimed to have some spiritual power. You remember reading about uh, Simon who had bewitched the people because he was a sorcerer and he's dealing drugs, see? He, he had bewitched the people with his tricks and his little shows and things till they thought he was had some great power. You remember Marcelino? He was a Mexican we dealt with in Virginia when we were over there. and he was. Uh, but he told me that down in Mexico, in that little village where he lived, he said that Catholic priest had so much power that he could just walk out to a house and look at it and it would just burst into flames. Now that's what the people in that little village believed. That priest had been able to convince them that he could do that. So they were scared to death of him. They wasn't about to... That's a, you go to talking to somebody like that about the Lord and how they got to forsake just what Paul told these people. You were Gentiles. Let about dumb idols. Tell a Catholic cat that lives in a village in Mexico where they got a priest that'll do that. Yeah. Oh, you don't understand. You know, you just don't understand. They've seen things and and there's and and things like that that put fear into people. You think that's the Holy Spirit of God? Yeah. Puts that kind of fear into you? Yeah. The Holy Spirit of God will put the fear of God into you, but he won't make you afraid of priests and witches and ghosts and buggers. No. They were used to being led by people who claimed to have some spiritual power, understanding to believe that a dumb idol had some kind of spiritual power or life. See, that's what these priests and people, these pagan priests and all, that's what they teach about their idol gods. You've got to be afraid of him because he'll, he'll, boy, you better walk the line or he'll kill you. He'll cause bad things to happen to you. You'll have a curse on you and, and every time you turn around, everything will be going wrong for you. What about people who preach our God like that? It's not the Spirit of Christ, not the Spirit of God that makes people think like that of God. Yeah? If you're a disobedient child of God, He will chastise you. But He'll not burn your house down and turn you, you know, turn it into a dunghill like Nebuchadnezzar did, you know. He won't chop you in pieces and turn your house into a dunghill. That's not God. So there's a difference. These people were used to that. Spiritual matters were not something new to them. But their concept of things spiritual was all superstitious. That depended upon lies and deceit and fantastic shows of what was supposed to be supernatural manifestation. And see, the reason I'm talking about this is because this is really a fa foundational to spiritual gifts and spiritual activity in the church and in our lives. Uh, don't you, you can't get this idea in your mind that the, that the spiritual activity of spiritual gifts and spiritual spirituality in our lives is like that. It's not for show. There's nothing in the church that ought to be bizarre and wild and crazy and cause people to go, oh. you know, people shouldn't be scared to death in church because of what's going on. People shouldn't be standing back and saying, there's a bunch of crazy people. <laughs> Spiritual gifts are given to us to profit with them. Remember we talked about that last week. Profit what? Ourself? Not the church. It's to profit, it's to, and, and remember what we said about that? It's to lead on, to charge on, to move forward. That's what the spiritual gifts are given for. To help the churches to move forward. Help the individual Christians to move forward. It's edifying, encouraging. It builds one another up. It doesn't, we don't have spiritual gifts so we can show out for each other. Look what I can do. Little, 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 little. You know. <laughs> or just cut out and do it and everybody's like, wow. <laughs> or, ooh. That's not spiritual gifts from God. There's so many things to say about all this. Come to my mind, but I said I'd be quick. So I, I'm trying to stay on course here. 
It's the warning here is clear that the spiritual gifts of God are nothing like that. And their purpose is not the same as the heathen practices that these people have been around all their lives or that we have been around all of our lives before we got saved. People put things in your mind. Family does. You know, they've got their old... Everybody's so superstitious and we, you know, again, you refer to that other message. People are so full of superstition. And we just say things all the time and it and it affects the way we act because it even unconsciously, you know, like I pointed out a lot of things. Like I've known people that will borrow your knife and if you don't, if you give it to them open, they won't give it back to you. I mean, if you borrow a knife from somebody and they hand it to you closed and you hand it back open, they won't take it because no, no, that's bad luck. You know, I'll die. Something bad will happen to my family. I mean, the curse is on me if I take that knife back. You've got to close it, give it back to me just like I handed it to you. Yeah. We say, you know, well, so far it's been a good car. Knock on wood. <laughs> People tell lies with their fingers behind their back crossed like that. You know, both fingers crossed. Yeah. Think that voids the lie if you get your fingers crossed. All kinds of nonsense like that, see? And you'd be amazed at how much stock a lot of people put in that stuff. Oh, my, my, my. And, and see, we're just full of that stuff. But when, and so when it comes to spiritual gifts, the operation of spiritual gifts in the church, we... We drag a lot of that stuff into it. We interpret what we're seeing with a lot of that superstitious stuff. We connect it together. We think it's from the same source. It is not from the same source. One's from God. One's from the devil himself. Yes, sir. One's evil and darkness. And the other is light and the Spirit of God and life. It's two different, majorly two different things. And, and we're not to be ignorant about that. We got to be able to discern the difference, but not have you ignorant. So the important point here is that the child of God understand the true character of the divine influence and not be deceived by false spirits. You know what's of God and what's not of God. And you know, years ago I kind of come to this conclusion about the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. If you'll read those accounts in the Gospels about that. What was going on there is they accounted the work of the Spirit of God to the devil. They said, you're casting out devils by the Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. That's when Jesus told them, said, you can, all manner of blasphemy and evil against the Father, all against me, be forgiven. But to blasphemy against the Holy Spirit of God and not be forgiven in this life or the life to come. They said that what God was doing was the devil's work. And it's the same to say that the devil's, what the devil is doing is God's work. So you better be careful about that. Better be careful about saying that's of God and that's of the devil or that's of the devil and that's of God. You better be able to know the difference. So the major point here is that we understand the real character of divine influence on, a, on you know, spiritual gifts in operation in the church. Is it of God or is it of the devil? It's, of, it's one of the two. Now, it's one of the two. So these bizarre things that go on in churches, like the Brownsville Revival. How many of you heard of that? The Brownsville Revival down in Florida several years ago. Well, it all started when they were having this charismatic revival, preaching meeting. wasn't really a revival. They call it a revival, but they were just having a hooping good time. And the preacher got up one night and started preaching on hell and how people were going to go there that didn't get born again and all that. And somebody got up and just started laughing out loud. Just, ha, 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 And the whole place burst into laughter at a message where they were preaching on hell. They, went, they started jumping around and barking like dogs and chirping like monkeys and jumping on the pews and acting like all kinds of animals. 
And that man, it went all over the country. And for weeks, thousands of people flocked there to see this great manifestation of the Spirit of God. The devil was having a heyday and just laughing his self to death at the foolishness of people. The ignorance. That's what Paul's talking about here. I would not have you ignorant. That's what happens when people are ignorant about spiritual things. They can't tell the difference between God and the devil himself. And they'll give, the, they'll give God the credit for what the devil is doing. Mm-hmm. Do you ever hear stories like I have? Of uh, uh, Our son-in-law told me one time, he said there was a church down in Mississippi, I believe it was, he said the Baptist church. He said the pastor got up and told the church one night, he said, God has told me to divorce my wife and marry this woman in the church. And so that's what I'm going to do. And they all said, Amen, preacher. That's what God's told you. Well, we're all behind you. And so he did. Not uh, they're ignorant of everything spiritual. They're misinformed, misled, don't understand. They're just like these dumb idols that were, these people were led to that Paul talked about here in the first verse. Second verse. You've got to be able to tell the difference between the divine influence, the divine character. Can't you tell what's of God and what's of the devil? All you got to do is just look at where it's going to lead, where it's going to go to. Look at the effects of it. Now, furthermore, to keep the atmosphere of the church such that would promote the liberty of the Spirit of God. Y'all getting this? Now, this is just a few little short things, but it's very important. The atmosphere in the church needs to be conducive to the work of the Spirit of God. And at the same time, it needs to be such that would prohibit the freedom of evil or unclean spirits to work and manifest themselves there. They're not welcome. Evil spirits and manifesting themselves, they're not welcome. And it... And it and you know, the pastor ought to be able and have enough backbone and have enough discernment to recognize it and put a stop to it right out of the gate. Yes, sir. Most, most do not. They can't tell the difference. I mean, the devil himself could come in and sit down and go to preaching and they wouldn't even know it was the devil. Sad and true. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. They're not welcome. They shouldn't be allowed. The spiritual atmosphere of the church ought to be kept clean. And the Spirit of God ought to be welcome and, and feel welcome and have liberty there. The devil's not welcome. Now the facts are laid out by the Apostle Paul right, out, right away in dealing with this matter. In, in verse 3, he said, Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Well, what does that mean? Well, the Spirit of God is in control of the spiritual gifts that God gives. That's just very important. It's a spiritual gift is not a person given their opinion, given their thoughts, uh, employing their natural talents, that's not a spiritual gift. It's not a person using what they've learned through life and experience or in some school to be a blessing or to say something or to teach something. That's not a spiritual gift at work. A spiritual gift is under the control of the Holy Spirit of God. It's Him working through a vessel that's yielded to God. All spiritual gifts operate that way. We don't really have a hand in it. There's gifts like the word of wisdom. There we talk about this stuff later. But I mean, uh, uh, you know, an understanding, words, words. Those are gifts. Now does that come from going to school and learning out of a book? Nope. 
Does it come from just natural understanding and wisdom? No. It's God using somebody to say things. You know, have you ever heard some of the most profound things you ever heard come out of a mouth that you never thought in the world had any thoughts like that at all? Yes, I have. And you know what? They didn't even know what they were really saying. What I got, and here's what I'm saying. I'm not saying they were unconscious of talking and all that and they were just in a trance and they were just, no, 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 no. They just, they said words, and I've said words before that I didn't even understand really what the whole meaning was of what I was saying. And later hear it and think, oh my. I hear it all the time. And in my own preaching, listening to it and going through it for the radio program, I have to do that to some of these messages. And, and I hear things I said that I didn't even, you know, I didn't even plan on saying. I didn't think about that. And I can't believe that I said that. And it's, that's what I'm talking about, you see. All spiritual gifts are that way. It, and, it's, and when it's like that, then everybody else don't sit around and idolize this person because of their great ability or their great skill or learning or, you know, we don't lift them up because of what their spiritual gift is or what they did through their spiritual gift. Not being clear enough. I hope you're understanding what I'm trying to say here. It's God. The Spirit of God is in control of the operation of spiritual gifts. Not us. We're a yielded vessel. They're not a special talent. Spiritual gifts are not. They're not a special ability that is natural or learned by an individual. It's not spiritual gifts. All spiritual gifts are the Spirit of God working through a person who is yielded to God for His service. Now, a spiritual gift, and I thought of this, and it's for later, but... Spiritual gifts are not for carnal people. For God to use any person, give any person a spiritual gift and use them through that means, that person has to be a spiritual person. They have to be walking in the Spirit. Not walking after the flesh. Simple. And you know, I've just, what I've observed in other churches and stuff. It's just the opposite of that. The most carnal people are the ones who are supposedly exercising these spiritual gifts. The night over here of this tent meeting that was such a scandalous thing, one of the ones who was a man who was doing that, talking in tongues, right in the middle of everything, Everybody, all of the, this whole bunch here had watched him up until that point and he was sitting out here eyeballing all the women. Everybody's seen him doing it. Yeah. And the next thing you know, he's down there talking in tongues. Yeah. Don't tell me. I mean, I wasn't born yesterday. That ain't spiritual. No. No. That's carnal. Yes. And it's of the devil. Yes. And so that's why it had to end. Right then, I don't care what it costs. I don't care what everybody thinks. This ain't going on. So we put a stop to it. It just had to be. The devil's not welcome in the congregation of the Lord. And nobody, it ought to be everybody else, not just one man have to do that. Everybody else should have jumped up and said, Whoa! Stop! And that's the way it ought to be in a local church too. These things are not welcome. People drift in. You know, they don't hear because we're too crowded. We don't get a lot of visitors here. But like over here, we'd get visitors, you know, and they'd come in and, of course, don't take long till you spot something. You can see, you know, these... I was talking Brother Kenny over the weekend about it, you know. I remember people coming in here and I get, you know, like one guy come in. And I went to shake his hand. So did everybody else. What's your name? Well, my name's... Give his first name. I said, your first name what? What's your last name? Just first name. That's all he gets. Yeah. All right, well, first name. We're going to keep an eye on you. You know, you're going to walk right in here in the middle of us, and you ain't even going to tell us your name, and you're going to act like that. 
uh, something wrong here. And of course, after the service, well, he talked to me. And he's a teacher. He don't have a church. He don't go to church. He don't believe in going to church and belonging to a church and supporting a church. And, but he wants to teach the Bible. You know, they're out looking for a place to get where they can take over. And well, they're not welcome. Not here. Going down there. There's lots of places that just take you right in and listen whatever you got to say. But not here. That's not the divine influence. That's not the way it works. No, sir. It's easy to tell the difference when it comes to stuff like that. The Spirit of God's in control. All spirits, all the spiritual gifts are the Spirit of God working through a person who's yielded to God. And so that being true, the Holy Spirit of God is not going to cause a person to say or do things contrary to Jesus Christ or God the Father, or the Holy Spirit of God. I'll give you to understand, he said, that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed. You ain't going to say bad things about God. You're not going to act contrary to what the Word of God says and be spiritual. Nope, you're not spiritual. You're of the wrong spirit if you're contradicting the Scriptures. Now, see, that's what their idolatrous priest did. And so he's just giving them to know that spiritual gifts, the first, you want to know about spiritual gifts and you desire spiritual gifts, well, now here's the first thing. They'll always honor God. Any kind of spiritual activity in the church that's of God is going to honor God. That's the first order of business. The Holy Spirit, Jesus said when he has come, he shall speak of me. He's not going to cause you to blabber in another unknown language. He's going to speak of me. And that being true, no spiritual gift from God is going to be used to fascinate people. Do you know what fascinate means? It means to bewitch, to enchant, to operate on by some powerful or irresistible influence. You hearing that? To influence the passions or affections in an uncontrollable manner so that you bark like a dog and jump like a monkey and laugh at hell and eternity lost. No, no no man that speaking by the Spirit of God is going to call Jesus Christ a curse. That's just an extreme example he gave there. No, nobody, no man speaking by the Spirit of God is going to say anything against God or Christ. And you're not... And no spiritual gift is going to cause you to lose control of yourself. Yet, this is what the church in Corinth was doing with all these gifts. This, this, that's why there's three chapters here that deal with this one gift that they've been carrying on about and got completely out of hand about. And he, at the end of it, he said, Now, even if you do do this, here's the rules. No women speaking in tongues. How about that? Now, where do, when you see people speaking in tongues, who's usually doing it? Women. women. Yeah, Brother Mike, here he goes again. Against the women. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Paul laid down the rules. They're not going by what the Bible says. They're going by superstition. That's what all these people are doing today. <clears throat> it's superstitious nonsense. Boy... Lose a lot of friends that way. <clears throat> well, sorry, but I just don't need friends that believe in superstition. I need friends that believe in God and the truth and honor God with the truth instead of getting carried away by the same kind of spirits. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself here. It's particularly the gift of tongues, just like the modern churches are doing. They were, they were doing that's what they were doing with these gifts. They lose control. That's what they're looking for. Is somebody just lose complete control and just go into that spasm. Yeah. The kind of spirit that is behind those kinds of things is the same kind of spirit that's behind seances, Ouija boards, fortune tellers, and soothsayers. I mean that. I believe that. It's the same kind of spirit. It's not God's spirit. It's the same spirit that wows people with all those things. Did you see that thing move all by itself? 
It's the same kind of spirit that's behind all these supposed miracle workers and faith healers and word of prophecy charlatans of our day. Yes, it is. They all seek to stun and shock people with unexplained happenings or miracles or scare them with their predictions of things to come. They use sleight of hand tricks like magicians to cause people to believe they have supernatural powers or abilities. It's been a long time, but I used to just for entertainment watch some of them once in a while. Well, they're pretty convincing sometimes. I remember right after we first got married. Do you remember watching that on the TV where that little black boy said his mama, he said he was deaf and that preacher slapped him in the ears and he went, went to crying? <laughs> but I've also seen all of the tricks and setups and shenanigans they've pulled. And is that the way God would really work now? To just put on a show like a circus to fascinate everybody so everybody like a magician you know I don't know how he did that must be some must be something extraordinary must be something spiritual something out, out of our reach in this way they bewitch people into thinking they've been put into contact with the great beyond or with powers that are supernatural. That's why people go to fortune tellers. That's why they read their horoscope. That's why they uh, read tea leaves and palms and all of that stuff. Yes, exactly. They read everything. Man, they can read everything. They can throw something on the ground and read it and say, oh. It's always bad news, isn't it? <laughs> when they look at you and go, oh. Tell me, tell me, what is it? <laughs> and they're dying to believe a lie. But it's all about money. People have an eagerness and a willingness to believe all such nonsense as long as there are no boundaries or guidelines with it. You hear me there? So that's what people don't like. They want to be freewheeling in the spiritual realm where they can just go anywhere, do anything. I mean, make anything work. Any, You got that? Think about it in the church. That's how they do. They don't want to be confined within any limits or boundaries of truth. They want it to be wide open where you can just do anything. I've been in Baptist meetings where it's like that. They want you to just be able to just... You know, I've been in places where it's so out of order. It's unreal. You know, it's just unbelievable. People just totally out of control, chaos. And and the Bible says, let everything be done decently and in order. Well, that's not decently and in order when the kids are running all over the place, making trains and jumping all over the furniture and throwing books around and hooping and hollering and screaming and carrying on. Do you think it's a... We talked about this the other night a little bit, but do you think it's really a spiritual gift being exercised when a woman screams like a, a panther in church? I don't believe it is either. There's... It sends something up and down my spine that don't feel good. It ain't of God. Never was. I never thought. I just, it just like to me, it just sent a coldness all over everything with me. And everybody else just, I mean, is eating it up, just enjoying it. Scream some more. You know, they just encourage. <laughs> this woman, a certain woman, I remember she'd scream. Scream bloody murder. I mean, it wasn't like, hallelujah. It wasn't like that. It was just a scream. No words, no audible anything except just... <laughs> you just... Oh, my. She died. Wasn't living for God. All of her family went to the devil. I mean, terrible. She wasn't... That wasn't the Holy Ghost making her do that. Wasn't the Holy Ghost making her do that. And that's not wrong of me to point that out and to teach you that and to say that to you or to anybody else. Somebody should have been saying it back then. Might have saved a lot of families and young people and all that were there that went to the devil. 
Because they sit there with people who are supposed to know God, teaching them that this work of the devil is God doing this. Same thing as those Pharisees did. But boy, everybody has an eagerness and willingness to believe everything like that. It's funny how easy it is to believe a lie and how eager and willing people are to believe lies like that about spiritual things and how hard it is to get them to believe the truth about true spiritual things. The reason is because there's boundaries there. There's rules about the way spiritual things work, holy spiritual things work. For that reason, Paul's drawn lines around the spiritual gifts of God and the spiritual activity in and outside the church in the lives of God's people. He's saying it's not just everybody do your own thing. Spiritual gifts are not like that. It's not, well, I want to speak in tongues. Well, I want to have wisdom. You know, that's going to be my spiritual gift. No, that's just not the way it works. I'm just pretty much of this mind, and I ain't going to be real dogmatic about this, but I don't believe you even know what your spiritual gift is. I believe God uses us, and we don't even know what He's using us for. We say things. We There's healing. He's talking about word of wisdom, word of understanding, and then He talks about healing. Well, words heal. Our words hurt. I just don't believe this in the, I don't believe in, in the modern church. I don't believe anybody has the power to just lay their hand on somebody and healed. Done. If that was the case, why, why Doyle Roberts, he claimed to have that gift. Why'd he build a hospital? Exactly. And then he built a 900 foot Jesus. Or tried to. <laughs> Well, see, spiritual gifts, it's important. But the most important thing is that you understand that it's spiritual. And it's under the control of the Holy Spirit. It's the work of the Holy Spirit, the gifts are. Using us for things we don't even... If we knew, we'd be proud of it. If we knew, we'd turn it into a skill that we could use at our will, whenever we wanted, at our discernment, with whoever deserves it, who you know, we'd use it to make money. If we had some gift like that. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so the spiritual gifts are under the control of the Holy Spirit and will always honor and exalt Christ and edify the church in truth and in love. And the gifts of the Spirit will never be for show or to exalt anyone but Christ. Those are some of the rules of the spiritual gifts. Just basic things. They're to honor God. They're of God. They're under the control of God, not us. Our job, our responsibility, the only thing we need to be worried about is just to be yielded to God and walking after the Spirit and be holy, you know, live a holy life and honor God and He'll use us and He'll, those spiritual gifts, He'll work through us to one another and to the people without. And it's not a show. And, 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 and all of these gifts, it's like the thing of the tongues, you know. He said, if, 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 if you all come together and you're all speaking tongues and one come in and a lost person come in, is he not going to say, you're all mad? Crazy. This is crazy. What in the world is this circus? But if he comes in and you all prophesy, he'll say of a truth, God is in this place. Prophesying is much more important than what emphasis they were putting on and what emphasis a lot of these people now are putting on. We can't get away from the fact that God does work miracles. But the miracle that I am interested in seeing is for when a sinner is forgiven, redeemed, renewed, born again made a new creature, that's the miracle that you ought to be seeing in the churches. I don't want to see things float around the room. I don't want to hear somebody talking another language, you know. (laughs) 
Amen. All right, Father, thank you. Thank you for the truth about this matter. Please help us, Lord, to follow the truth. Know it, not be ignorant about these matters, but be knowledgeable and led in the right direction about it. Help us to be available, Lord, a vessel that you can use, that you can exercise spiritual gifts through, that will be profitable for the kingdom of God and for the saving of the souls of men and women and little boys and girls. Lord, help us to be your people and to be obedient children and not be ignorant of, of the devil's devices and all of the tricks and lies that surround us everywhere. Lord, we love you. Thank you for the truth and for the understanding. Please help us to receive it tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Alrighty. I'm not against miracles, but I'm against shows of miracles. I've seen God do miracles, but not like everybody. You can't make miracles happen, and you can't demand them of God. And God doesn't perform miracles to convince everybody to believe in Him. That never works. That's, that is absolutely no count at all. I know people who saw miracles, and it didn't affect them at all. Mm-hmm. They, they did it in Jesus' time too. It did not affect them. The working of the Spirit of God in truth and righteousness, that's what brings about miracles in the souls of men. And that's what gets their attention when they sense that, perceive that. They realize the presence of God at work. Yes. But boy, they're keen on recognizing somebody putting on a show in the flesh and pretending to. Sometimes I think the lost people out there are better at recognizing the devil at work than the people sitting in the church pews are. Yeah. All right, I'll...